Welcome back to the One Penny at a Time podcast with your host, Paris Elliott. I'm your co-host, Eddie Malberg. And today, we have a special kind of episode. What kind of episode is that? It's a Q&A. And let me say, y'all asked some good questions. Yes, uh, we definitely got a really good array of questions submitted to us to the podcast. I want to thank everybody for some sending in their questions. We picked out a couple of our favorites that we wanted to go over. But before that, though... You might have noticed we have a special guest on the podcast today. I have my beautiful wife, Eddie, joining me to have some fun with us in this episode. How are you doing today, Eddie? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you all for having me. I hope um, I hope it's as much fun as, as for you guys as it is for us. And um, yeah, how, are, how about you, Harris? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm ready. We have, we're in December 2022. We got our goals ready for 2023, and we're going to crush them. Yeah, we definitely are. All right. Well, um, I mean, if you're ready, you let me know. I'm I'm ready to answer uh, ask some questions over here. Shoot. All right. Well, first question, uh, we've got from Maria uh, PR twenty nine, mm-hmm. uh, and she's asking us if, sorry about that. How do you find out if a stock pays a dividend? Okay. Good question. So. What you're going to want to do is whatever platform you use, whether it's SoFi, Robinhood, M1 Finance, in between others, you're going to look up the specific company. So, for example, I'm going to use Coca-Cola as my first example here, ticker symbol KO. If you go and open up the stock in the broker, you'll look for the section that says dividend yield. And on there, that'll be a number depending on what the yield is for the stock. So, for example, say 1.5 or 3.0, whatever the case may be. That's how you know that a dividend that a dividend is paid on the stock. Now, an example for a stock that doesn't pay a dividend, I'm going to use Tesla as an example. If you go into the same part, it'll either say NA, like not available, or it'll be in blank. That's how you know if it doesn't pay a dividend. You can also Google. Google will also bring you up that as well. But in the brokerage, that's the best way to look it up. Interesting. I, I think you have showed me that in um, probably Robinhood um, earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think during either this year or last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're referencing to. Mm, nice. Well, that's a really good question, Maria. Thank you so much for that. Um, then following that, we have Carlos TX, our friend Carlos, sent us uh, this question, which is regarding... I, I believe maybe not the last episode, but it says on your last episode, you and Fernando uh, mentioned a yield trap stock. What is that? Sure. And that's a very good and a very important question to know. So I'm going to explain first what the definition of a dividend trap is or a dividend yield trap, however you want to call it. It's a stock that has cut their dividend and their stock price declined from it. Also, essentially, What that is, is the trap, is people will invest in a particular stock solely for the dividend yield because it's usually a higher paying dividend, but are not looking necessarily at the numbers of the company or the five-year growth. I'm going to use an example here that I actually have this in my portfolio because I started this position after the dividend got cut. AT&T, ticker symbol T, um, back uh, up until 2020, it was one of the most popular dividend stocks. It was paying roughly about, I believe it was about 51 cents a share, 52 cents a share. 
But if you look at the five-year performance of the stock, it was down about 45 to 50%. So if you would have invested $1,000 back in 2017 and you go up to 2020, you would have still lost money no matter how good the dividend is. And to, for 2021, AT&T made a big decision to cut down on their debt because they needed to make some positive directions in the company. So they span off their, their media company into Warner, Warner Media. So they moved that debt out of AT&T, but by doing that, the stock not only kept dropping, but the dividend got cut 46%. So back then you were getting 52 cents per share. Now you're getting only 28 cents per share. So if you would have invested prior to this only for the yield, that's what I consider the, the yield trap stock. Now you can play around with this in your portfolio. I don't recommend having this be a high percentage of your portfolio as it's very risky. So for myself, I started this portfolio back in June of 2022. AT&T has already been beat up, kicked, but butchered, thrown to the ringer, thrown off the parachute, you name it, it's been through it. And I felt comfortable starting that position then. So far, the stock as far as on the, on the price gain has done pretty good overall for myself because I bought it at a very low price. We'll see now here in 2022 if they're going to make the decision to raise the dividend or if they're going to continue paying off debt, which I think would be the best move for AT&T. Okay. All right. I, I, I hear the words yield trap stock. And when I think of the meme, I'm, I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with it. The it's a trap meme. <laughs> I just I just think of that. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> actually, actually, Eddie. Um, mm -hmm. That is actually a meme that has been used in the investor dividend investor oh my community. God. See, I, I knew I was kind of on point there. There you go. You know your dividends. I know something. I know something. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you again, Carlos, for that question. Awesome. Um, the next person we have, oh, we have um, Eleno underscore 40. They sent us this question and it says, can you explain what the difference between a dividend yield and a yield on cost, I guess one or the other. Perfect. So they both go together. Um, they have different meanings. So I'm going to give the definition and I actually have some stocks here to show examples to explain each category. So we're gonna, when we talk about the dividend yield, it is how much dividend income every dollar invested at the current price. So essentially is the yield is what you're paying for today. Now, a yield on cost shows the rate of the dividend income based on the original investment and average or dollar cost average amount. So I have an example here to show for dividend yield. I'm going to use one of my favorite stocks, Caterpillar, ticker symbol CAT, which is one of my favorites in the industrial sector. Back on September 27th, it was at a, a very low of $161.76. That was a pretty big discount on that stock. Now, Caterpillar on its own has a pretty good yield at that time. It was yielding at about 2.96%. Now, based off you know, what the dividend is, so what you do is, is that you grab the stock price divided by the uh, annual dividend per share. Now, Caterpillar is currently trading at $236.13. If you use, it's still paying the same dividend as I did for September 27th. Same, if you divide that 
between the dividend across the stock price, it's yielding a 2.03. So if you would have bought this back in September, you would have started off at a higher yield because it was at a discount. Now for yield on cost, I'm going to use Ally, ticker symbol A-L-L-Y, which is my, my stock in my portfolio that is the biggest in the red. So Ally currently trades at about $26.12. My average cost on this right now is $27.73. So with the current yield, based on the stock price, it's 4.59%. But since I'm in the red and the position, meaning that I, I'm still losing money on the actual total growth of the position, my actual yield on cost is 4.33%. So based off, you know, when you start off, whether it goes down or whether it goes up, that's how you get that yield on cost. Elena, what I'm actually going to do, I actually have a free spreadsheet that I use by our good friend, Ryan Williams. You just punch in the numbers and this spreadsheet will automatically do the math for you. So you don't have to break your head. So that's kind of what I'm going to do for you for that. There you go. Send me that. Send me that because I, I am not good at math. Thank you so much, Elena, for that for that uh question. That was that was very insightful. Honestly, had the same question. Um oh, and we have also another couple questions from uh I'm going to say it and internet, please be kind. I believe the handle is comic book esthete. Um again, don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but they had one of their first questions was, uh, which sector do you invest in and which do you avoid? Good, good question. And that's really good to know because everybody is going to have a very different answer for this because nobody invests the same and nobody has the same timeline or goals. Myself, I like to invest in tech. Now, I don't like to do tech individually. I like to do it all through an ETF or a basket of stocks as we call it here, called the QQQ. And Apple's on there, Microsoft's on there, uh, Costco's on there, I believe Google's on there. So I like to have it all into the basket just to make it easier for me instead of having individual companies. I love consumer staples. That's your everyday products, Procter & Gamble, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Hershey's, you name it, everyday products that everybody use. Another sector I like to get some exposure to, not fully, but I do like real estate. Very small percentage of it, though, as I rather have that in a Roth IRA because of tax benefits because of that, because uh, uh, REITs is what we call them, are not taxed like your regular dividend income. So you have to be careful how you play that in. And other than that, I love to invest into um, energy. I like to do, uh, let's see, I, I have a pretty good financial company, so like my ally uh, Discover is another one that I like to do. A little bit of a spread. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if y'all were asking me, but I like to invest in, honestly, I know everything investing wise. I know it because of Harris, because he's a really great teacher and y'all probably already know. But um, if y'all are asking me about what do I like to invest in is companies that honestly I stand by behind. So I would also mention Apple. I have a lot of Apple products. I have a lot of Vans uh, products as well. I would say that's my main. 
Um, so yeah, also that's another good, um, I guess, idea for you there, uh, comic book. Mm-hmm. We can we can invest not only in things that are making us profitable, but mm-hmm. maybe some things that we love too. Babe, I know you. I know how you said about not getting canceled. You forgot to mention your two favorites, Target and Starbucks. Oh yeah, of course. How could I forget my two other favorites? Well, Vans is my is my my main, you know, and then Apple, then Starbucks. Starbucks and Target are kind of a hand in hand. I mean, yeah, I would say so. Perfect. And then to continue on that question, mm-hmm. the one sector I do not like to invest in, and I'm just going to give the business model, and it's travel. Um, and I'll explain. Now, investing for me and Eddie to go traveling and seeing the world, mm-hmm. it pays amazing dividends and it's great. However, investing in airlines or cruise ships, so like Carnival, American Airlines, Spirit, JetBlue, Delta, I don't like to invest in those because the profit margins are very small. And in my honest opinion, they don't do well in a time of recession and then also if you want to use 2020 when you know the world got shut down those businesses were non-existent and Mm -hmm. honestly i love to use that as leisure but i personally don't like to invest in those types of businesses Mm -hmm. but we will invest in ourselves and going on a good trip though oh definitely definitely would you say now that you're mentioning kind of that travel sector and i have a question about that maybe the the listeners do too um do you avoid it because it's a little bit more riskier as a stock? Um, I know that the five-year performance is not good for me. And this is actually going to come into a question we're going to play later. When I look at the profit margin, mm-hmm. there's no room for error in those type of businesses. Mm. So if something goes wrong, it's there's not a lot of cushion to like really, you know, to kind of expect to bounce back or do that drop and also i like to invest in the businesses that i understand now we understand how to travel and have fun but i don't know fully the logistics and the business side of it and i don't feel comfortable investing in it okay pretty good all righty um so we also have uh another question there from comic book estate um they they asked um how much homework if any do you do on your portfolio Sure. So I'm going to do Monday to Friday. On average, I do about three to four hours a day a day on research. That can, That's composed of watching YouTube videos, watching some of my favorite channels. Shout out to Ryan and Russ, your favorite on the channel and my personal favorites. I like to listen to podcasts. Um, on my, on my Apple, on my, on my iPhone, I have this, these podcasts where they give like five to 10 minute snippets about what to expect in the day in the market. Uh, one is through Seeking Alpha, one is through the Wall Street Journal. They're very quick listens, and it kind of gives you a preempt to what's coming up in the day. Also, I have been starting to pick up reading a little bit. I've been slacking a little bit the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to lie, but we're doing better about it. Audiobooks is a thing that I've been trying to incorporate as I I personally retain information better as I'm listening to somebody telling me the information rather than reading myself. Now, on the weekends, I try not to do that much research into the portfolio unless if i'm working on to the podcast um as much as i love this stuff you need to disconnect sometimes and do something you know do something that you like to do or another hobby yeah and also that is eddie time okay for all of y'all <laughs> <laughs> um all right well that was honestly that was a really good question 
Um, also, I want to add to that question. I'm, I'm, um, very, you know, very inclined and very open with investing. Um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier here in the podcast, I don't do as much. I usually just, um, kind of, um, ask Harris, he'll kind of give me the pros and cons and terms that I can understand. And, um, once I kind of have that, I only kind of put time into that type of portfolio, which is a little bit more relaxed than maybe, anybody who's listening that actually do, does want to, you know, um, do investing the right way. Um, I only put the time that I honestly have available. So as well, if you don't have two or three hours, um, you know, in a day, you can also just do 15, 20 minutes um, every other day, you know, whatever works for you best. Very well said, Eddie. And I really do appreciate that thought in there. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, our last question there from Co Comic Book Esthete. Um, they did ask, oh, this is from a previous episode as well. Mm -hmm. It says in your start stock market, uh, one-on-one episode, you talked about simple rules and picking companies with good numbers. Um, based on that, when selecting stocks, which fundamentals or criteria do you use to analyze that said company? Perfect. And I appreciate you being a listener from early on into the podcast. I was, uh, I think my second or third episode I did. So appreciate you being a loyal listener. So great question. Now I'm going to give here some terms, a disclaimer, not every metric has to be met for me to make a decision on this. This is just general average rules. So I'm going to use target as my example here. So one thing I look for EPS growth, EPS stands for earning per share on a five year term you want it to be over 15% in growth. Target has 21.39%. So it passes that check mark there. Mm -hmm. The PE ratio, so that measures as far as like what the actual valuation of the company is. I like to keep it 20 and under. However, doesn't necessarily have to mean if it's over 20, I'm going to automatically just like throw it out in the trash. Uh, Target's 22.32. Some other examples in my portfolio where it's over uh, 20 PE is waste management in Starbucks. Um, so, but generally if it's under 20%, that is something I like to look at. For dividend growth for the, for a five-year period, I like to right now because of inflation, look at at least a 10% CAGR. Now, not every stock's going to have it. So Target has a five-year average of 5.31%. An example of a stock that has over 10% is Visa, which is a 14.11%. Good job, Visa there. But with Target, even though the five-year average is about a little over 5%, in 2021, Target increased their dividend 17.91%. And this year, they did a whopping 36.71% increase. So in the last five years, and what you look at is also is how much is the company growing profit-wise? You want to see consistent growth. You don't want to see the roller coaster or stagnant. From 2015 to 2017, Target was keeping pretty linear. But then the last couple of years, Target has been going up, 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 up to the moon. So I want to see if Target can keep continue doing that. It's only been two years where it's been like really high growth. So that's something we want to look at there. For the dividend payout, I like to see this at 60% or below because if it's below 60%, that means that you have a, a good amount of room to the company to grow to dividend. 
target is at exactly 60%. Now, if it's over 60%, you just got to look at the risk and evaluate it from there. Um, how many years are consecutive for dividend growth? Target's at 33 years. That's really good. Um, once it reaches 50 years, it'll be called a dividend king. So that's something to look forward to that. So I would agree that right now it is called a dividend aristocrat and it's on the well, good path to being to getting there to dividend king. Dividend yield. On average, I like something that starts at around two and a half percent, but doesn't mean that it can go up and go down. It could be below that. It depends because Apple is below. It's I think it's at less than one percent. Visa, I think, just hit a little over 1%. So you got to look at, you want the growth, but you also want both in stock price and dividend. So I really get a mixture of it. And then for the free cash flow, you want to make sure that they have consistent free cash flow as you don't want them to become trapped in debt and then they don't, they're don't they having trouble paying back their liabilities, which may cause uh, dividend cuts and whatnot there. So those are some of the metrics I like to look at. I am going to make an episode going over these a little bit more in detail. So that way I can go over that in the episode. Great question there, uh, comic book. Mm-hmm. That honestly, a very good question. Um, and I do believe we have our last question. This one um, is one that I also am very curious about, but, um, and maybe as well as the listeners, it's coming from our good friend, Caribbean Wolf. Uh, thank you so much for submitting that question. And um, so what they're asking about is long-term benefits of dividends. And uh, the question goes, how does this type of investing, um, I believe they're referencing to long-term investing, mm-hmm. uh, make a profit? And uh, how long ideally would that take? Sure. Great question on there. And before I go over that question, I forgot one very important stat on uh, comic book's last question. Oh. You want to make sure that every year that the total amount of shares that are existent for this company are going down. Very important because you don't want them to dilute the shares, which means that they're increasing the volume. It means your shares are worthless. Very important. I forgot to mention that. And that's something we got to put in there. Alrighty. What about Caribbean Wolf's question? So with Caribbean Wolf, that is a good question. So I'm going to lay this out as best as I can, because it's a pretty big question. As far as how long does it take? I mean, right now, I started this portfolio back in June. We're up 9% year to date on the stock price. So we have made a profit through there. Now, your timeline is when you're going to retire or what we call our, your fire date is what's going to depend on how you're going to do this portfolio. If you have a 20 to 30 year horizon, then you want to pick what your risk level is. If you're very like set and forget, the ETF or basket or stocks is probably your best way to go is you just deposit every week, month, year, however you want to do it. You set it, you forget it, you turn on your drip, which means your dividend reinvestment automatically through into there and it's buying you more stock, creating that cash flow. So with profit, you make a couple ways. One is do the stock price. So when you buy a stock, it can either go up, it can either go down. And I actually got a little bit of research here. So if you would have invested $1,000 five years ago to date into Apple, that and this is only on the stock price. This is not factoring the dividends. Your $1,000 in Apple would be worth $3,674 today. If you would have done the same for Discover, which is um, one of my favorite banking institutions, it'd be worth $1,653.89. That's one way you make profit. The second way you make profit is through dividends, 
which is these companies saying, thank you for believing in us. We're going to pay you to hold this stock. And we love dividends here. They're great. They help you be able to buy more stock and build up your portfolio even more. What's great about dividend investing is, is that you're supposed to be every year, you get a dividend raise. So I'm going to use Discover as a good example. Back in 2017, you would have gotten 35 cents a share. Um, that would have been about $65 a share. Today, if you would have done the same thing, it's $105 a share, but you get 60 cents a share. If you would have never reinvested or bought more stock in Discover, you're, you're only expecting 35 cents. You're almost doubling that now through dividend growth for doing absolutely nothing. And that is what's amazing about dividends. So as you start making more deposits over time, you're building up more shares, which means the more shares you have, the more dividends you get, the more dividends you get, the more you get to buy back into the company, the more you buy back into the company, the more you're going to be getting in dividends every quarter, every month, depending on what the stock price is. The third way you can make money through this is through options. I'm not going to talk about options on this because I personally am not the best person to talk about options. It's very complex and you have to be very involved. But I want to give a shout out there to my friend, uh, Russ Dapper Dividends. If you go to his YouTube channel, he can talk more about doing uh, covered calls and options. He's more well-versed in that. And kind of, I wouldn't consider it profit, but it's a way that's a benefit because you did ask about benefits. It's taxes. People don't factor in taxes into this. So when we talk about taxes, do your income. So this is the money you're making to your job or anything like that. You're being taxed, for example, you know, 22% if you make between 42 and 89,000. You're being taxed 24% if you make 89 to 170,000. I just stopped there. I didn't want to go up to the big baller numbers. Mm -hmm. Through dividends, if you're single, right? And these numbers, if you're single, if you make less than $41,000 a year, you make you pay zero in taxes on dividends. Now, if you make between 41000 to 459000 give or take, you only pay 15% long-term tax on that. So as you start moving up in your career and you make more money, by doing this, you're still making extra income there, but you're paying a lower tax rate than what your income is. And if you're married, if you want to know that number, less than 83000 is zero in taxes. Between 83000 to about 517000 uh, you're looking at that 15% long-term game, uh, long-term tax, essentially. So that's really important to factor in as you're getting older and you're going to retire. All right. Well, that was really good. Um, I know that you mentioned, and this is just me thinking, <laughs> it's nothing related to stocks. You said, turn on the drip. And I just thought of like how people use the word slang drip. <laughs> yes. That's, that, that's kind of what I thought about. Sorry, guys, to take you on that little journey there through my mind. But um, no, great question, uh, Caribbean Wolf. Honestly, I think uh, it's kind of the background of, of, of the whole kind of podcast. Um, that kind of question would be kind of the main type of question, which is a little bit of why we left it to maybe the end of the of the questions there. Um, just because, you know, it does provide a good insight on what Harris is trying to do with this podcast, because it's not also about his journey. He does want to share that with you guys. It's also a little bit more about what we can learn all together, you know? No, 100%. And the goal of this podcast, other than documenting my journey, like you said, if I can help one person 
start their journey or get inspired to start investing, we did our job here. So that's always the goal. And luckily we we had the opportunity to do that this year with one of our good friends, Renault, shout out Renault. And to me, that alone there brings me in all the joy in the world. Mm-hmm. He loves, he really does love that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all the questions we've got for today. Um, we don't want to bore you guys with anything more of our lives, but um, I want to thank y'all for having me. Um, this was really, really fun. Hopefully we'll be able to kind of um, do this uh, maybe another time and get some more Q and A's and, and kind of do something there. Yeah. I would love to have you back on, you know, where I live. Yeah. I'll have my people call your people. Don't there worry we, about it. There we go. <laughs> but before we close out this episode today, um, obviously, Eddie, thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody listening, we always appreciate your time here. Thank you. Eddie, I need to give you a special thanks though. Mm-hmm. What about? If it wasn't for your artistic vision, mm-hmm. you prevented me from having probably the worst logo idea I had. I never forget showing you what I made in Canva and it was God awful. And you saw this vision of me on the penny and you worked did amazing wonders on that. Thank you for making the the art and the vision for this podcast, what it is. It would not be if it wasn't for you. Thank you so much for that. I know that Harris has told me about y'all mentioning about the logo. Um, thank you so much for the compliments. I honestly, um, I don't know. It, the title of the podcast came and it, that just what came to my mind, you know? And I appreciate that. And like we always like to say on this podcast, whether you're paying off debt, investing in yourself or investing in the future, we're going to reach that goal one penny at a time. Thank you so much for joining us today. You have a great day, guys. Bye.